Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Let me give you a brief preview of things to come on today's program. There's also a call to action in there, so get ready with your cell phone. I'm going to ask you to text in. 57500 is the number. Uh, after, As we wrap up the 1 o'clock hour, uh, I'm going to share some of my thoughts on Veterans Day. And then, after that, uh, we're going to take about a half hour of airtime, and we're going to hand it over to you. I'd like you to have the opportunity to, on these airwaves, share with everyone listening uh, any of the gratitude you may feel uh, towards the veterans in your life or uh, veterans in general. If you uh, would like to offer thanks to anyone in particular, uh, a family member, a spouse, a friend, uh, someone from church, anyone who has put on the uniform of the United States, you'll have that opportunity uh, in the 2 o'clock hour. Uh, In the meantime, though, let me ask you this. If you you can't get on the phone, would you send me a text message, 57500? That's the Utah Community Credit Union text line. And in that text message, uh, what I'd like you to do is uh, give a shout-out of sorts to some veteran in your life to whom you would like to share things. Thanks. I will read those uh, on the air, and we'll get folks uh, the recognition that they deserve and the thanks that they deserve and uh, the the appreciation uh, that they 100% absolutely deserve. Now, a little caveat, I am not so good at pronouncing names. So if you if you send me a hard-to-pronounce pronounce name, put a little, pronunci- a little pronunciation guide in there for me, will you? 57500, again, the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Send me a note. And uh, we'll get that conversation started in just a bit. Uh, Before we get to that, though, I have to share some of uh, my observations from yesterday's hearing before the Supreme Court. Two hours of oral arguments uh, took place before the Supreme Court. And and honestly, it was the first time I had heard uh, from Justice Barrett in that position. She, uh, taking on this big ACA deal, the case which has been presented to the court regarding the constitutionality of the mandate. And then there is a question, too, of whether or not this case will even go forward in the Supreme Court when there, well, here, let's back up a little bit. There are claims that, number one, the Affordable Care Act as it stands currently is unconstitutional. That claim has been made for some time. The claim initially was to the unconstitutionality of the uh, the act coming from the penalty, the $695, uh, which you would have to pay if you had failed to obtain health insurance. Well, uh, a few years back, Congress said, okay, we'll we'll take care of that. And they dropped that down to zero. And yet the case uh, continues. Uh, There are some states, Texas uh, included, 
that came to the Supreme Court and said, uh, hold on a second, uh, if there is no penalty and yet the mandate remains, that still, that still uh, makes this unconstitutional. And so that's the main question here. Then there are two kind of sub-questions, which are very important to the future of this case. Number one has to do with standing. <clears throat> standing. That's a word that comes up every once in a while. Uh, you lawyers out there sure know, surely know uh, what that means. I'll give my layman summary of, of my understanding of standing, and it has to do with, uh, like, Injury sustained. If you are bringing a lawsuit, uh, you must be able to demonstrate that you somehow are relevant to the case in that you have been injured by injured, quote unquote, you know, not necessarily a physical injury, uh, but that you have somehow uh, been an aggrieved party, that you have lost something or sustained some sort of damage. And if a court looks at your claim and they decide, well, wait a second, you you weren't injured here at all. There was no damage you, you, you sustained. This you, you need someone with standing. One of the arguments against this lawsuit is that with the, with the penalty for not securing or obtaining health insurance dropped by Congress from 695 to zero, that how could anybody sustain any injury uh, because there's no, uh, you know, there's no money to be paid? Well, they're going to sort that out in the Supreme Court. The other has to do with another vocab word you hear from time to time, and that's severability. If this element of the Supreme Court, or rather, if this element of the Affordable Care Act, the mandate, is deemed to be unconstitutional, what does that mean for the rest of the act? Are you able to sever from the rest of the act the element which is decided to be unconstitutional and allow the remainder to stay in place, or does the unconstitutional ruling on that specific matter, the mandate, does that then bring down the rest of the act with it? That's the big question. That is the one that if this, if this continues, if this case continues, if the Supreme Court continues to look at this, uh, and that's still up in the air now, uh, will, will the entire Affordable Care Act collapse? We'll have to see. I want to share with you something else from yesterday. I mentioned that uh, now Justice Amy Coney Barrett, for the first time I had heard, was asking questions. And I want to play some of the back and forth between uh, between Justice Barrett and the California Solicitor General, plus some other uh, characters in this play. And just listen to the listen to the language. I'll, I'll admit that some of it is very hard to understand as these people are razor sharp, super smart well-read, have, you know, rapid recall memories that put certainly me to shame. And uh, it's just a reminder that uh, the those who end up on the Supreme Court, they have to go through a lot. They have to demonstrate uh, massive, massive abilities to stand up to challenges, to stand up to scrutiny, to defend their position, to understand their position in the law. And this is this is like next level stuff. Here, here's a little bit of the back and forth between uh, Justice Amy Coney Barrett and, and those to whom she's posing questions. Well, what should we make of the fact that Congress didn't repeal the provision? I mean, you said earlier repeal and then you corrected yourself and said zeroed out. I mean, you're asking us to fun- treat it as if it's functionally has been repealed, but that's not what Congress did. Does that matter? Here now is uh, Michael Mongan, is the California Solicitor General responding to Justice Barrett. Your Honor, I think Congress understood 
how this court had construed 5000A as a choice, and it understood that it would make the provision effectively inoperative to zero out the tax. And that was a reasonable thing for it to do. Obviously, it was operating under reconciliation procedures that allowed it to make the change compliant with the Byrd rule. And CBO had told it that there was no material difference between repealing the provision and zeroing out the tax. For me to unpack and unsort exactly what that response entailed, the reference to CBO scores and reconciliation and the rest of the references made there in that response, it would honestly take me, it would take me hours, maybe days. I'd have to consult with experts. I'd have to uh, comb through uh, articles and explanations by experts. And, and, yet, uh, <laughs> and yet it's important to do that. I am one, as you well know, I harp and harp and harp on getting to source documentation to verify and to understand. The Supreme Court, if your goal is to understand what's happening there, uh, you're going to have to dedicate some time to it. We are lucky, uh, I feel, that the process to get a justice onto the Supreme Court is as rigorous as it is. That's not excusing anything that uh, Brett Kavanaugh went through at the hand of Democratic senators, but the process is rigorous for a reason, and it's because we need to be sure that those who in their hands hold the power to make decisions on that grand a scale, that they are of a mind uh, to make them and that they have the capacity and the wherewithal to do so in a trustworthy sense. Anyway, uh, Supreme Court, it's heady stuff, and they are right now in the midst of a decision uh, and a case that could certainly change the future of health care in this nation. Quick break. When we return, we honor veterans here on KSL News Radio. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.